Hey everybody, welcome to the SOS Small Business Success Podcast. Glad to have you here today. I am your host, welcome aboard, Bonnie Bonadeo. And, uh, you know, I call myself a speaker, coach, author, podcaster. Those are kind of the titles that I use, but the truth is what I really do is I help people connect with themselves so that they can better connect with others. Uh, sometimes the other thing might be people, might be their team, might be their clients, might be their business. So as a brand uh, connector and a brand strategist, I really look for areas of opportunity for people to grow in. And the truth is, is that no matter what it is that you're doing or trying to accomplish, it's, it's going to come down to two critical areas, which I call as part of a, the sum strategy here is sales and marketing. Okay. Now I've broken up this podcast to be able to cater to five different topic arenas. And then of course, uh, you know, many topics and many uh, conversations in regards to that, but it's all designed to be able to say, we're about building your brands to survive while developing people that thrive, develop you and your brand so that you can go from surviving to thriving. And, you know, we're not out of the woods yet. We're not out of the storm yet with everything that's happening at this point. So there has to still be some critical thought and some strategic planning in order to take things to the next level. Now I say that it's, it is all about strategic opportunity to equal success, that when you put a focus in one area as an opportunity for some potential growth, you have success. Um, the problem that we do is we get overwhelmed by too many things and too many uh, opportunities, and then we don't know how to strategically align them to make them really worth the time and investment of our energy and our resources to have it be impactful enough. The other thing that we have a tendency to do is we don't stay in it long enough to see the results. And I could say that's one of my weaknesses by far is that I don't stay in something long enough to be able to see the results. So these are the five categories that we focus on in the sum strategy, sales operations, mindset, marketing, and education. And today we're going to talk about mindset, but it's, but honestly, you guys, mindset is, is a, a, a cousin to sales and it is, you know, an in-law to marketing and it is definitely a brother and sister to operations. And certainly it is, you know, possibly your, 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 your twin to understanding and going into education. So it's all directly related here, but we put a focus on these five areas to be able to say, where do you really need the support? Okay, so today's mindset and our title today is supply and demand. Now, you've, you probably hear a lot of this if you watch any news. You know, I try, to, I try to avoid as much as possible, but I do go online and I select the kind of news that I want to be able to read. And you're hearing words right now like inflation and, uh, you know, uh, uh, cost of goods, looming recession, um, you know, uh, cryptocurrencies, uh, Coinbase, all of these things are kind of like words that we're hearing a lot of at this time. And although we're not going to, we're not necessarily going to touch on a lot of that, I want you to be familiar with it when it comes to just a traditional operation philosophy of supply and demand. And here's, here's how it's kind of defi defined. The amount of a commodity, product, or service available, 
the desire of buyers for it considers the factors in regulating the price. So, you know, in this whole cryptocurrency thing, it's like everything that's happened in the stock market, um, you know, with these, with these crazy, uh, you know, stock prices like going sky high and everything, it's based on a supply and demand. Now, a supply and demand can be created. It can be kind of a natural ebb and flow of things. Um, and, you know, right now we're kind of in the process of both of those entities, of it being created and a natural ebb and flow of how that's working. But if you look at the definition again, you know, the amount of a commodity, okay, you are the commodity here because you are a service provider. So your products that you're offering, certain elements of your products that you're offering, the services itself that you're offering, and then the desire for a buyer to want it factors and regulates pricing. Now, supply and demand does come down to pricing. I'm going to convert this into a mindset of what I want you to look at other than just pricing in order to get out of, um, to, not just get out, but stop staying in survival mode and get to the point where we can see how supply and demand right now in our industry can work for us. All right. So where are we at with supply and demand? And let's, let's look at it from all parts of our industry, owners, stylists, wellness uh, area, um, and the industry as a whole. First of all, here's what you need to know. Two million women left the workforce in 2020. And you have to, you have to agree that there was a certain percentage that were in the beauty and wellness sector that left, okay? So we know that people left um, you know, for, for multiple reasons, like, hey, I'm not doing this anymore, or I've got kids that I gotta like homeschool now, um, I can make more money on unemployment. Um, I just can't see doing this anymore. I want to try something different. So all of those reasons were reasons why 2 million women left the workforce in 2020, you know, and enrollment in schools, beauty schools, okay. Beauty schools specifically was down by 30% at one point. Now this was during when our economy was really good. So like in the 2017, 16, 17, 18, uh, uh, beauty school enrollment was down by 30%, but that's, but that's pretty typical because the supply and demand of enrollment into trade colleges is at its lowest when the economy is at its best. So with the economy being shaky right now, um, you would think that enrollment would be up in beauty schools, but it's not because of the pandemic. Okay. We, we just couldn't like sign up and start attending school. There were too many factors involved in that. So <clears throat> under the circumstances of enrollment being down because we had a good economy previously, now we have a pandemic, so enrollment is, is still down. There's the potential that enrollment will go up, but there's no guarantees at this point. Now, what we also know is that inflation is on the rise. So the cost of everything is going up and not even the cost just because it's a supply and demand issue. It's the cost is going up because um, the access to being able to get it. So when a pipeline stops, so the pandemic created a stopping of a pipeline. So manufacturers weren't able to make certain things in a timely fashion because businesses were closed. So the production of certain items, things, goods kind of came to a screeching halt. And now we're in this position where things are up and running again and we're, we're barely recovering from the backlog 
to be able to get into the increase of potential sales here. So it could be something as silly as caps. So the manufacturer that was making caps might have been a manufacturer that was overseas. It might have been in a country that was hit by COVID pretty extensively, which means that their manufacturing facility was shut down. So caps weren't being produced to be able to ship to all of these other types of countries or these other manufacturing plants that were producing bottles and liquid ingredients or tubes of color type of thing. So that's just an example of why inflation is on the rise. So when there's a supply and demand, the cost of goods definitely goes up. So right now there's a lot of things that have gone up. If you look at just your everyday grocery shopping bills, if you look at gas, um, if, you, if you look at you know, the cost of cars, there's a, there's a there's shortage of cars, there's a, a shortage on pieces and parts, there's a shortage on some produce and, and some meats. All of these things are going to create a level of inflation. In other words, they're going to cost more to do that. All right. So another factor is here is that a recession is looming. Now, this is this is a very different conversation or word that I would use, even though recession is still the, the maybe the, the, the proper word, but it's not the same recession as in 2008. 2008 was a, was a recession where um, people, we over the dollar, we overinflated the value of things, and then we weren't able. So what goes up must come down. What goes up must come down. So that recession was created because we were peaking very high on things being overvalued than what the worth was. So eventually the worth would have to decrease. So cost of homes, um, you know, uh, job opportunities, things like that created the recession from 2008. This is a little different because the value of things is, is only just starting to creep up with inflation as it is. But why this is different is because we do have money to spend. We are just not spending it. Because what we spent it on was cars, vacations, um, trips, um, upgrading things, maybe adding on things, expanding our businesses, expanding our homes, buying a, an RV or a boat. These were all areas where we put money into the market in order to create a thriving economy. And right now, people aren't spending money because those things are not available based on supply and demand. And if they are available, they might be at a very overinflated price, which means that there's fewer of them available to us, and the price is so high that it might limit us from being able to buy it. Look what's been going on in real estate. People are putting in bids uh, for homes, you know, 100 bids are coming in on homes, and some of them are 20, 30, 40%, you know, over asking price, and that's just crazy. That in itself will create a, re a recession like 2008. Okay. But what's happening is that there isn't a lot of available homes. There isn't a lot of cars available. There isn't a lot of anything available at this point. So that's why a recession could be looming, but it could be a little bit different. We do have money to spend. We just don't have the goods to spend it on. Okay. So one of the things that's different in our industry too is the landscape for independent stylists has increased. And there's some rough numbers out there right now that it says that the salon suite industry growth, it's been estimated that roughly 30 to 35% of all cosmetology professionals are currently operating independent of a traditional salon facility. And I would say that that's pretty true. 
But if the industry growth continues based on what it's done over the last few years, that number is expected to increase to 75% in the next five years. 75%. That means that the 25% of the opportunity to work as a hairstylist will be in chains and traditional salons. 75% will be in an independent or a suite environment. You guys, when those numbers change like that, we have a very different industry. And, um, you know, what I want to share with you today on the mindset is having you look at if these things are what's coming down the pipeline, if these things are in fact true, then what we need to look at is, you know, how do we overcome this? How do we still thrive in this type of environment? And here's some stats. Uh, this is the 2020 a medium pay for a hairstylist is $27,000. Okay. So if the average is $27,000, I'm sorry, you're not going to be able to afford to go into a sweet environment. So something has to change. If your average income is $13 and 28% an hour, then this whole industry is going to have to increase if 75% of you are going to be independent. Okay. Now, the number of jobs in 2019 in our industry is hairstylists, barbers, and cosmetologists specifically. That doesn't include any of the wellness sector, okay? The number of jobs was 722,000. And it looks like between 2019 and 2029, there's going to be a 1% decline that's going to happen over time. So the employment change over that is going to be like 9,200 job positions. I think it potentially could be worse, but if we're already in a shortage of stylists and most stylists are then going to be positioning themselves into an independent capacity, then salon owners are going to have a really difficult time staying in business moving forward. Chain salons are going to have a really difficult time staying in business moving forward. And we've seen a massive influx of what's happened in the chain environment. Like, um, you know, several chain salons uh, have closed down. They've streamlined them. If there was, uh, you know, chain salons in some major cities, they closed down just due to the violence and the lack of uh, people going to work in major cities. So maybe where a you know, a, a, a sports clip or a supercuts or something like that was a valid business in a downtown area. When people are not going into the downtown area to work or going to get a quick haircut during their lunch hour, um, they didn't have any business. And so a lot of them closed down in these areas here. So what do we do? And why is this conversation under mindset at this point? So if you're an owner, it is quite possible now under those statistics that I just shared that you're going to lose some staff moving forward. And what's going to happen is that there's going to be a difficult in hiring qualified new staff. So your only option is probably to really nurture students now, like get into the beauty schools and start nurturing students now to be your future employees. All right. And what's going to happen here is that it's going to increase, what you need to do is you need to increase revenue resources, all right? So if you only have one revenue resource coming in or one potential, one quality one, which would be service dollars, you're going to have to figure out how to increase your service dollar revenue category. And you're going to have to do that in a couple different ways. You, you, you have to increase your prices. If we know that inflation has created a, a 
higher cost of goods, then across the board, prices need to increase in our industry. Now, I know that this seems like, I, I see all these posts on these salon forums and everything, and, and uh, people are always still questioning, how do I increase my prices? How do I increase my prices? You know, what do I need to tell them type of thing? And even just the other day in our salon, we had uh, somebody that, we had a stylist that received a promotion, which is how they get a price increase. They, they achieve certain goals in order to increase their prices. So we don't do a sweeping salon increase of prices. People earn their price increases. And then, of course, we posted on their mirrors that they have a price increase at, by a certain date. And it's usually a month out. We let them know that. And then effective that day, their, their, their promotion goes into effect and their new price uh, prices go into effect as well. And we had a, a client that came in like the day after her prices increased and then sent a letter and, you know, had complained that she should have been notified type of thing. And there's, there's, a, there's such a fine line for that because as a consumer to a goods or service, you know, you, if you went into your doctor's office and, and, you know, and they always charged you 50 bucks for this and, you know, and then all of a sudden now it's 75, you know, you're not going to send a letter to the doctor and complain, you know, that the front desk receptionist or the nurse how has now charged you more. It's, this is just part of life, okay? You don't go, you don't send a, a letter to the manager of the grocery store and just say, you know, the cost of chicken went up by 30% and, you know, I wasn't notified type of thing. So there's a part where from a consumer standpoint, you just have to accept that what we're going through right now has created an increase of pricing. But ultimately, you need to look at your pricing and you need to do that in a very... Um, strategic way. It can't just be random. All right. So you have to look at what your cost of goods are. You have to look at what, you know, your, your, all of your expenses are, and then you have to be able to make sure that you're building profit into that. And then you have to look and see where can these price increases happen? Is it across the board? Should I increase it in color because the cost of color has gone up? Um, you know, do you increase it in haircuts? Um, because you think that maybe you're just a little behind the curve in regards to what your haircut prices are at this time. So, you know, th that's a whole conversation that we can have. And it was interesting, you know, this just yesterday, um, I noticed that people are out and about again. So a couple of industry people had that, you know, we've all been so isolated, but, you know, those of us that have been working in salons, we're not isolated. We're still in salons and we're still seeing hundreds of clients a day, right? But the manufacturer reps and the support people that, you know, are, are part of the industry have been isolated. Well, we had a couple of them show up yesterday in our salon. And of course, these were planned, um, you know, opportunities to be able to sit down with them and see them, discuss opportunities with them, look at future business with them, that type of thing. And it was really interesting because, you know, it wasn't about, oh, do I need more of this or more of that? It was, it was, a, it was a very well-rounded, broad conversation of where do we see the industry going? What's, what's in it for salon owners of the future? How can salon owners survive in the future? How do companies like yours intend to help salon owners of the future? And those were the bigger conversations. And it was, it was really interesting because... I think we all agree that suites are going to continue to be on the rise and that stylists are going to see that as an opportunity, even though when you say things like make more money, freedom and flexibility don't always go hand in hand with 
going into a suite. Not, not everybody across the board. I think the 80-20 rule still applies in that. 20% of you are probably doing well and kicking ass. 80% of you do not have the business mindset yet in order to be super profitable and in order to continue to grow and nurture that business that you've started in a suite, okay? So increased prices is gonna have to be something we're gonna have to all think about here. Increased staff or salon hours. So, you know, maybe you've got some staff that are only working shorter hours. See if they can expand their hours. Um, see if salon hours need to be expanded as long as you've got the support people to be able to do that. Now, this is an if possible thing because, you know, right now stylists are kind of like, mm -mm, I'm working four days a week and that's all I'm working. I don't want to work five days a week type of thing. So you have to be able to look at it from a standpoint of if you work these extra days, is there incentives involved in it? You know how like if somebody works on the 4th of July weekend, it's time and a half. But, you know, if you're a commissioned salon or even a employee-based salon that pays an hourly wage or a, or a salary, you know, maybe there's some incentives to being able to take this on. Uh, maybe it's switching it up with stylists a little bit in order to fulfill the client demand that is happening. Because what we know is the supply and demand in our industry is that we are of short supply and clients are in, uh, you know, uh, there's a demand of a lot of clients wanting to come in and we don't have we don't have enough hours in the day. We don't have enough stylists in the salon to be able to accommodate it. So people are getting doubt two and three weeks because they can't just call and get right in. They can't just walk in and get an appointment. Okay. Um, one of the areas that you might want to look at is reducing your appointment times. Now, if you increase your prices, then reducing your appointment times may not also be, you know, one and the same, but you could look at it as an either or as well. And what I mean by reducing your appointment times is if you typically take, you know, three hours to do a, you know, full highlight and a haircut and a style out type of thing, are you capable of doing it in a shorter amount of time so that you can get more clients in instead of having them two, three weeks out on the books. All right. So, or maybe it's a newer stylist and what they need help with is timing. So maybe it's instead of like doing really fine sections, really uh, adding in a hundred foils type of thing is show them a technique that still provides an enormous amount of, of quality work, beautiful coverage, and, uh, you know, uh, glistening highlights, but not having to maybe do it how they've traditionally learned. Like there's not, there's more than one way to skin a cat, right? There's more than one way to do a full head highlight that still caters to the client's end result in there. So if you have newer stylists that are taking too much time in their appointments, work with them to be able to decrease their appointment times, okay? Um, another opportunity here is increased bonus and incentives. So, you know, I'm, I, I am not, I'm not in favor of, and I never have been as a, as a, as a salon coach of saying increase commission. Okay. Because, because the commission is set up based on a, a profit margin of the salon. The salon has to be profitable in order to stay in business, but you have to have a, a fair and equitable uh, compensation program. So, 
However, under the circumstances that we're in a supply and demand position right now, are there bonus and incentives that you can add? Maybe the bonus and incentive is if you know anybody that comes work for us and they come and work for us and they're with us for six months or longer, that that stylist that introduced them gets a bonus. Uh, maybe bonus and incentives for working another day or, or evenings, adding an evening to their booking times type of thing. Create bonus and incentives for you to be able to get more coverage with the people that you have. And of course, one of the biggest ways that salon owners can create an increased revenue stream is to increase your retail sales. Start thinking of yourself as a master marketer. Start thinking of yourself as a quality retail outlet and, you know, create incentives, um, uh, BOGO deals, uh, gift with purchases, um, special discounts and incentives with certain, um, with certain services and everything. You've got to create, you've got to increase that line item of revenue in the retail arena. It's one of the biggest and easiest ways that you can have more profit at the bottom of um, the day. And then, of course, there's all kinds of new things that are coming out right now, affiliate online resources. So we could always say, listen, clients are going to go to Amazon and buy this, or clients are going to go you know, down the street to Ulta or online to Ulta and buy these things. But if you have an online resource for them and, and, and you promote that and you let them know that these are ways that they can still buy the products that you carry, um, but through them... As a, as a supportive affiliate link, I think most people would want to do that. I think I think if you told them and you were upfront and you were honest with them that they would in fact actually want to buy from you. Okay, and um, and so look into these affiliate online resource opportunities that are available to you. It might be a little less profit, but it's still profit at the end of the day. All right, and. Here's what else we should be doing. And again, I'm calling this under mindset, even though we've talked about sales and marketing and, and operations here, you gotta refine your client policies. You have to set some really good client policies in place here and procedures. In other words, you know, if we know that there is a waiting list for people to be able to get in with you two and three weeks out because of our supply and demand, then, you know, create a really extensive confirmation opportunity. Um, create a waiting list opportunity. So if you've got software that has a waiting list option, use it. Use it because the minute somebody no-shows on there and it goes to that client and says, hey, this just opened up. Did you want to move your appointment up sooner? And you have somebody that says yes. Now you've got something opened up two or three weeks down the road to take on that other client or that newer client in there. Um, when you have no-shows, no-call, or late clients, have a really firm policy in place of how that works um, so that they understand. And I'm always a big fan of do more confirmations um, and, you know, to make sure that people are showing up than just charging them just because they didn't show up. Give them ample opportunity to be able to cancel in a, in a you know, a, a an appropriate amount of time. All right. But if they're no call and they're no show and, and stuff like that, then start creating, get your software to start creating uh, credit cards on file. Okay. Have credit cards on file and do communicate with them that this is, that this will happen. Okay. Do communicate with them. Make sure that it's that it's valid, that it's obvious, it's not hidden in your terms and conditions on your website or on your app that you use to book. Make sure that it's apparent 
that if they no show, no call, they will be charged, okay? And then of course, have a policy in place to be able to make sure that you're very clear on how you're gonna do redos because as it is, we don't have enough time in the day to be able to take care of the clients we have, let alone the clients that weren't satisfied with something that we did um, you know, and coming back after, say, a seven-day uh, timeline and still expecting us to redo it. So be very clear on your redo policies and procedures as well. So those are the things that I would say you need to look at. And if you need support with any of these things, this is the salon coach that I am, okay? This is the coach that I, this is how I help my clients to be able to make sure that they've got all these policies in place. Now, if you're a stylist or sweet or independent person, again, Here's some duplicates here, but increase your prices. Uh, one of the biggest areas of opportunity that I see, if, you're, if you wanna be successful as a sweet person, you've got to get systems in place. You gotta have online booking. You gotta be able to pre-book these clients. You gotta be able to have good confirmation policies in place, late no-show policies in place. I know that you don't think you should have to sell retail or you don't think you have the money to have product in your suite to sell retail. But what I'm telling you is pick a line, Pick the winning products of that line and sell retail to your clients to create an additional revenue stream. Do not be afraid to upcharge, upgrade, or add on things that are necessary. So if you're doing a toner, make sure you're charging for the toner. If you're doing an additional color within the highlights, say a low light, charge for the additional low light procedure that you're doing in there. Do not be afraid to be charging for quality because right now what we're doing is we're like, oh, I don't want to charge her that much more. Then when we do do a price increase or we do charge them, they're like, oh, well, what's this for? So be clear and concise anytime there is a price difference or price increase with your clients. Um, stay true to your schedule. In other words, if you say that you work four days a week, then work four days a week. And, and if you don't have clients, be marketing. Look at, look at your budget. Figure out ways that you can improve your policy and procedure programs, okay? Stay true to your schedule so that you have that work-life balance, but you're also available for those clients that do want to be able to get in with you. If somebody needs you to come in earlier or on a day off or work an evening or something like that that you don't do, charge more for those specialty appointment times, okay? We have to start teaching the clients that if the supply and demand is in our favor right now, that there's plenty of you and not enough of us, that the price changes. Remember the definition. Go back to the definition of supply and demand, all right? Be clear on your business procedures so that people know how to do business with you. Be clear on your budget and your cost of goods and your profit margin so that you know where you stand, okay? So that you can stay in business. And if you're in demand, stop complaining and start maximizing this opportunity because it may not last. If in fact inflation continues to go up and a recession is looming, then people are going to stop spending money on their hair. They're going to stop spending money on their nails. They're going to stop spending money on their skin and their, you know, body massages and all of this stuff and the products that go with it. All right. So a rising tide lifts all boats, you guys. And this tide is in our favor right now. But we've got to come together and we've got to be more strategic in how we do business with these clients so that the demand is, you know, for, for us right now is it, we can make this work. 
we can figure out how to be able to have them on our books. We can figure out how to be able to charge them appropriately and, and reasonably for the services that we're offering. And when they say stuff like, oh, I can have it done for cheaper, whoever you are that's doing it for cheaper, raise your prices. Don't be the one that's doing it for cheaper. Look at what's going on in your particular marketplace because pricing is not just, you know, based on the cost of goods and, and being able to put in profit too. It's also based on your rent. It's based on your taxes. It's based on your, 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 your building costs. It's based on all of these other factors. Plus it's based on the demographics of where you're located. Okay. Obviously prices are higher in a city where rent is higher. Um, so, you know, look around in your area and see what some going prices are and try to balance it out so they can never say, I can find somebody to do it cheaper, okay? Because we don't want anybody doing it that much cheaper that they think that you're overcharging them and not providing them enough value. So all a rising tide lifts all boats. Let's all be the boats that, that cater to this. And if you need help catching this wave of this rising tide, um, you know, please, I'm begging you guys, set up a call with me. You can do a complimentary coaching session with me and we can look at these areas of opportunities that you might not quite, you know, maybe you're not quite sure how to get started or change them up or you know, I help clients with websites. I help clients with social media. I help clients with email campaigns. I help my clients with their budgets. I help them with their cost of goods and be, being able to build a budget and understand how much they should be charging for certain things within their market area. These are all things that I do as a salon coach. And if you are interested, you can set up a free complimentary session with me. We'll put together a little mini strategy of what you can do to move forward. Complimentary. Okay. If you see that you might need some support with it and it's not something that you can do yourself, then we can talk about a coaching program that's going to fit your budget and fit your needs based on how often, how much, you know, how long it's going to last and what things you need in order to get your business into that thriving mentality. All right. And you can go to SOSSaloncoaching.com. You'll see on there that there's a option to be able to set up a call with me. All right, you guys. So remember, supply and demand. It's in our favor right now. So let's all jump in and increase the opportunities for this industry to be able to continue to keep surviving and thriving. All right, you guys stay with me next week and each and every week, this podcast drops every Wednesday afternoon. Um, and, you know, we're going to talk about one of the five strategies here. So sales, operations, mindset, marketing, education. Next week, we're going to go into the education arena. So I look forward to chatting with you then. Thanks for being with me.